Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. I should have collected food during the time of the years of plenty because what, what I did with my life, I collected money, and this money's not helping me. And now I see that what I should have done is collect food during that time. I put my trust in money, and that was wrong. So these two scenes uh, of the Egyptians are a picture of people today, and that's why I kind of emphasize them. People today that spend their lives amassing money and when, it's, and when all is well, they look at the money that they've amassed in their lives, and they feel just like the Egyptians felt. They look at it and say, well, I'm set up now. I got, I'm secure. I'm safe. Whatever comes, because I've got money. I've got money. And, and the sad truth is that they're heading for exactly the same destination that the Egyptians came to, where with failing health, they, they, they can be like, we're feeling healthy, they'll feel like Steve Jobs, who says, I got more money than anybody else. All my money can't buy me the health that I need for one more day of life. Or they come to a place of saying, I'm going to die soon. I'm going to face my creator, and all my money can't buy me a covering for my sins. All my money can't buy, me, can't buy redemption for my soul. My money can't deliver me from hell. The money is not going to buy me a ticket into heaven. And, 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 and that same money that made them feel so secure and so safe and so satisfied is not helping now. It's not helping. And people, people today come to the same place the Egyptians came to when, when the Egyptians said, my need is food. Um, uh, and they say, my need is salvation for my sins. And, and, and I thought all this money was going to keep me safe and secure for whatever need I had. But now I'm so exposed. I'm so naked and exposed. I feel like God is looking at all my sins. And I feel so naked with nothing to cover me. And I can't throw a money blanket over me. And money has failed me now in my greatest need. I should have collected food during the years of plenty because, that, because what I'd spent my life on collecting money is not helping me now. I should have responded to that Christian preaching I heard. I should have responded to the gospel call to have my sins covered and forgiven, to be redeemed. It's too late now. And all I've got is this money, this worthless money. It's not able to cover my sins. It's not able to pardon my sins. It's not able to redeem my soul. I put my trust in money, and that was wrong. So these scenes show us the phrase of verse 13, the impact when it says, that he gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt. And that's an important phrase because it shows us how we are to help people today. I mean, just picture yourself back in Egypt. You want to help the Egyptians. You want to help them. 
And so it's during the years of plenty, and you know that the years of famine, they're coming. So what do you do? You go to the Egyptians who are amassing the money, and you tell them, the great famine is coming, and all your money is not going to help you. You will not be able to eat your money. You know, So if you, if you keep spending your lives collecting money, you're going to come to the place where you're going to say, I made the wrong decision, and money can't help me. I should have collected food while I had the chance. It shows us how we should be helping the lost today, our friends, our lost friends who are spending their lives collecting what's not going to help them. They, we should be trying to help them like we would try to help the Egyptians by saying to them, you're going to stand before God in judgment, and all your money's not going to help you. You're not going to be able to, to use your money to cover your sins or get the pardon you need. You can't buy the pardon, and, and you're not going to be able to redeem your soul. So it's time to switch. Time to switch all your efforts to, from that to becoming a redeemed child of God. So all the Egyptians, they, they amassed this, the, the money instead of food. And the, Lord, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ are so apropos here, where he said in Mark 8.36, Mark 8.36, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and, and lose his own soul? Eh? What shall it profit an Egyptian if he gains all the, all the money and loses, and loses his own life because of lack of food? Now, now, the Lord Jesus looks at people today, he looks at people today, and he says to them, the words of Isaiah 55.2, the words of Isaiah 55.2 says, wherefore do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat that which is good. Let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, come unto me, hear, your soul shall live. I'll make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. It breaks God's heart to see people turn away from him and try to satisfy themselves with what he calls ashes. So he said to Israel in Isaiah 44, 20, Isaiah 44, 20, speaking of Israel, he says, he feedeth on ashes, A deceived heart hath turned him aside. He cannot deliver his soul, nor say, is there not a lie in my right hand? And again, with along the same lines, the Lord looks at the lost, laboring for what he calls laboring to plant seeds in the wind. Plant seeds in the wind, said the ground. He says that in Hosea 8, 7, Hosea 8, 7. For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It hath no stalk. The bud shall not yield, shall yield no meal. If so be it yield, strangers will swallow it up. When God looked at Israel, he said, Israel, and remember, Israel, the Jewish people are just like everybody else, only more so. But when God looked at Israel, he said to Israel, you have committed two evils, two evils, and he said that in Jeremiah 2.13. Jeremiah 2.13, where he says, my people have committed two evils. First one is, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out for themselves uh, cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So first they forsook Jehovah, Jehovah Jesus, who's a fountain of living waters. That's what he said in John 7, 38. John 7, 38, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. 
So to believe in the Jehovah Jesus is experience a real, true soul refreshment, satisfaction from what he called rivers of living water. So Joseph, he goes around and he gathers up all the money that's in all the land of Egypt. Hebrew actually says he gathers up the silver that's found in all the land of Egypt. But when verse 14 says that Joseph gathered up all the money, the picture is like of Joseph going around like with a broom. He's just sweeping up all the money. And it's coming out of all the Egyptian houses. It's just flowing to Joseph. And it wasn't just all the money from Egypt. It was all the money that he gathered up from the land of Canaan. They sold the corn. Now, the question is, what did he do with all that money? Well, we're told in verse 14. Verse 14, it says the end. Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. Now, can you imagine Pharaoh? I mean, how delighted he sees that not only has Joseph, his wonder boy, saved his country from starvation. Now he's collected all the money and brought it into Pharaoh's house. It made Pharaoh the richest man in the world. He owed it all to Joseph. And we can imagine as Joseph brings in all the money from Canaan, from Egypt, into Pharaoh's house, how Pharaoh must have turned to his servants and said, didn't I tell you that we couldn't find such a man as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Look at all this money that's come in here. So Joseph collects all the money for bread, and at this point, we might ask the question, was that right? Was that right for Joseph to do that? Was it right for Joseph to reduce the Egyptians in their great need to a state of absolute destitution? Now, I want to hear from you. What do you say? What say thee? (laughs) Do you think it was right for Joseph to sell all this corn to the Egyptians? Was it right for him to reduce the Egyptians to destitution by selling them corn? Shouldn't he just given them corn and not sold it to them? What do you think? Well, I would say yes, it was right for Joseph to sell the corn to the Egyptians and not to give it away because we have to remember who Joseph is working for. He's not Pharaoh. He's working for Pharaoh. And Joseph's first loyalty was to Pharaoh. And Joseph served Pharaoh So everything that Joseph did was in the best interests of Pharaoh. And we have to remember that that's also true about the Lord Jesus Christ, that his first loyalty was to God the Father, and he served God the Father first. I mean, it was God the Father who loved us, according to John 3, 16. God so loved the world, he gave the Lord Jesus, he gave his only begotten son to us that whoever believes into him would not perish but have everlasting life. It was God the Father who sent the Son into the world, and just as Joseph served Pharaoh, so the Lord Jesus said in John 8, 29, John 8, 29, he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. I do always those things that please him. That's his first priority. But just because Joseph served Pharaoh did not make Joseph insensitive to the Egyptians. Joseph, you know, Joseph wasn't like Marie Antoinette in the palace of Versailles when she heard that the people were, didn't have any bread. She says, well, just let them eat cake. Now, that was a good statement. Anyway, that cost her her head. But anyway, the Egyptians, they came to Joseph, just like the people of France came to Marie Antoinette. And it's, and what we read in verse 15, when the money failed in the land of Egypt, in the land of Canaan, verse 15, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and said, give us bread. Why should we die in thy presence? For the money faileth. Now, notice how the Egyptians came to Joseph. 
not in a revolt like the French Revolution, but with their need, knowing that Joseph in his wisdom was going to take care of their need. And people really felt that Joseph was near them, that Joseph felt with them, and they said to Joseph very openly in verse 15, why should we die in thy presence for the money faileth? That was a marvelous openness. That was a great honesty that the people had with Joseph. They didn't hide from Joseph that they were dying and didn't have any more money. I mean, keep him in it. He didn't know how much money they had. Well, they came and told him. I mean, keep in mind, this is very humiliating for the Egyptian people to say to Joseph, why should we die in thy presence for the money faileth? In order for the Egyptians to say that to Joseph, they had to admit we're dying from starvation. They had to also admit we were wrong. We were wrong. We didn't listen to your warning that the famine was coming. We didn't take you seriously. And they had to admit they were wrong because we didn't follow your example of collecting food during the years of plenty. So we wouldn't find ourselves in this situation. They had to admit all that to Joseph. That wasn't easy to say you were right, we were wrong when you warned us and we didn't collect food like you did. It was very humiliating for the Egyptians, for the Egyptians to come to Joseph, you know, come to the the Egyptians, come to the Jewish boy and tell him that we don't have any food in our pantries and we don't have any more money under our beds. You know, very humiliating, very open, very honest, very humiliating to confess that to one of those abominable Hebrews. And that was humiliating also for the Egyptians because it's like a person today who comes and confesses that he's a dirty, rotten sinner. That's not easy. You got to confess that to a Jewish man who didn't have a home to call his own, or as he put it, a place to lay his head, who was despised and rejected by his own Jewish people and then was crucified as a common criminal. But when you're a dirty, rotten, lost sinner that's afraid of being cast into hell, then you're a dirty, rotten, lost sinner that's afraid of being cast into hell and you do what you gotta do. And if a sinner didn't 100% love the Lord Jesus Christ before for the beauty of his life, The fact that the Lord Jesus Christ goes on to save him as a lost sinner from his sins, make him a child of God, that makes the person totally fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Egyptians, they already knew the kindness of Joseph. They they knew he wasn't going to say, well, now you should have listened to me. You know, you should have listened to me when I told you that you had seven years to collect the food for seven years of famine. So this serves you right. So you just go out there and starve a little bit so I teach you a lesson and I'm not gonna help you now. That wasn't Joseph. That was not Joseph. Joseph was loving and he didn't say anything about why they didn't listen to him to store up the food. You know, they, Joseph, he could have been angry with them. Joseph could have been angry with the Egyptians for not listening to his warning and, and, and he could have said, you really have offended me. He could have said that by not taking me seriously. You didn't listen to me. But I mean, and it was personally offensive to Joseph to have been ignored by the Egyptians. But you could not find on the face of the earth a more forgiving person than Joseph. And as often as we take the trash out of our houses, which I do that a couple times a day, 
But as often as we, especially the, the trash that degrades, the other trash I leave in a week, but the one biodegradable goes out right away. There's a lot of regulations in my house anyway. As often as we take the trash out from our houses so that our houses don't stink with the trash, Joseph took the trash of offenses out of his heart so his life didn't stink from the grudges that he would that he held against people. He didn't do it. That's one of the sterling qualities we see over and over again with Joseph, with the life of Joseph. So what's important for us to see here is how the Egyptians, how they got the bread. They received the bread. You know, the Egyptians, they received the bread. It, it wasn't Joseph coming to their houses every day and knocking on the houses. You're a little short of bread today? A little short of bread? I figure you got to be running out by now. So here I am. I, I, I brought my truck. You see, it says the Egyptian Bread Relief Society. <laughs> and I'm here to give you bread. You have to need it now. He didn't do that. Joseph did not do that. He waited for the people to feel their need and to come to him, which was ha- what was happening in verse 15 when it says, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, give us bread, for why should we die in thy presence? The money faileth. Those are very important words in verse 15 when it says, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph. They had to come to Joseph in order to receive bread. A person today has to come to the Lord Jesus Christ as a lost sinner to be saved from being cast into hell for his sins. Now, let's just say that there was one Egyptian who said, I'm not going to go one of those abominable Hebrews and beg for bread. I got my pride, Egyptian pride. You might say that. Anyway, and so if an Egyptian said that, he said, you know, well, I know I'm out of bread and I'm out of money, but I have my pride and I'm not going to admit that. I'm going to pretend like I still have food and money. Then he starves, that's all. He starves to death. And that's the way it is today with lost sinners and God. And that's why these words are so important in verse 15 when it says, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and said, give us bread. And so just as the Egyptians had to come to Joseph in order for them to receive bread, every person has to come to the Lord Jesus Christ to receive the pardon for his personal sins and the cleansing from his personal sins. And just as if an Egyptian had said, well, I know I'm out of bread, I'm out of money, but I have my pride. Am I going to admit that? And you know, those other Egyptians, they can go and beg bread from that Hebrew, but not me. I'm just going to, um, not, that's not me. It's the same thing if a person says that, that similar things today. Well, I know I've sinned. I need a pardon. I need cleansing. But I have my pride. I'm not going to go admit that in front of others. You want me to go walk down some aisle of a church where people can see me? No, it's not me. I'm just going to pretend like I haven't sinned. I don't need God's pardon and cleansing. If a person does that, he dies in his sin. He gets cast into hell. And so Joseph didn't come to everybody's street with the Egyptian Bread Relief Society truck. And God doesn't automatically save everyone from their sins. The Egyptians had to come to Joseph confessing that they ignored his warning that they, and confessing that they were starving as a result of it. Every person has to come to the Lord Jesus Christ confessing that he sinned, that he's a dirty, rotten sinner. And it was because the people were honest and they were open with Joseph when they said, why should we die in thy presence for thy money faileth? And after they confessed their fault of, of not collecting food and confessed their true condition, were dying as a result of it, Because they were so open, because they were so honest, 
bread flowed. Help flowed from Joseph. And unless a person was willing to come to the Lord today like those Egyptians just can say, I'm a sinner, you know, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, no help, no help. But when a person does do that, help comes. And God pleads with people, don't say you're innocent. Don't say you're not a sinner. He says that in Jeremiah 2.35, Jeremiah 2.35. Yet thou sayest, because I am innocent, surely his anger will turn away from me. Behold, I will plead with thee, because thou sayest, I have not sinned. See, that's God pleading. He says, don't do that, because if you'd stay on that side, where you say, I'm innocent, I haven't sinned, I'm not a dirty, rotten sinner, God says, there's no help for you, you're going to starve, like the Egyptians. But if you come, and you, you come with your sin confessing, then like the song says, come with thy sin confessing, thou shalt receive a blessing, like the Fanny Crosby hymn says, then help comes, no help for God, no help from God for a person who comes to God and says, I'm innocent. But help from God starts with, oh God, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, it's my fault. So Joseph begins to help the Egyptians when they confess their need in verse 15. The people, when the people did come to Joseph, Joseph didn't say, ah, okay, I just, you know, I'll just give you bread and you don't have to give me anything. It's okay. Here you go. You didn't do that. Take as much bread as you want. You came and you told me, so it's fine. The door's open. Go in, fill your bags. It's all free. It's a great day. He didn't do that. No, no. We see Joseph said to the Egyptians after their money ran out in verse 16, in verse 16, Joseph said, give your cattle and I will give. Give you for your cattle if money fail. So he says to them, Bring your cattle to me. And we can imagine the Egyptians saying, Cattle? You know, first he takes all our money, now he wants our cattle. But the point is that Joseph did not make the bread free, it cost the Egyptians to get bread to live. First, it cost them all their money. And that money was their security. That money was security for the future, their nest egg for rainy days. Let me ask you a question. What do people fear the most today? What would you say? Death? Death. Okay. Death. Death is in the future. And that's what they fear the most, the future. The future. Why? What's going to happen to me in the future? That scary time of the future. Oh, the tomorrow. What's tomorrow going to bring? Is the pain going to get worse? And this is the fear of the future that causes people to buy insurance. They buy insurance for the future. Insurance in case there's a future expensive health problem. Insurance to, uh, in case there's a future fire, a future flood, a future car accident, a future robbery, even a future burial. They buy insurance for. And it's all these horrible fears. What if my body dies and it's just laying on the street? Oh, I need insurance to bury me. All these horrible fears about what's going to happen in the future, that's what people are most afraid of, the future. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. 
You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 